Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasha and today I'm speaking to Andrew Campbell, CEO of the Game Rangers Association of Africa. Andrew is here to describe the work done by these conservation professionals, as well as to tell us about some of the threats and challenges that they can face in the field and how we can support them. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Cass. Nice to be here. Andrew, you're CEO of the Game Rangers Association of Africa, and you're here today to tell us a little bit more about what the GRAA is and what it does and its latest projects. So, Cass, yeah, the Game Rangers Association of Africa was founded in 1970, so we're in our 51st year, so we've been around the block. It was basically at the time there was a group of rangers that got together concerned with the standards in the conservation industry and decided that a representative body for rangers was needed. So that's a little bit about our history, and it sort of sprang up in KwaZulu-Natal in, in South Africa, in Lishiamfalozi area, uh, in the parks there, among some of the, the rangers that were working there. We're a body of professional mm-hmm. rangers. Our membership goes the, the length and breadth of Africa, and we, we represent it in about 25 different countries in Africa. We have rangers, part of our membership, and they can range from what we would call field rangers, who are out in the, in, in the field, you know, undertaking patrols, and up to management-level rangers who might be more on the sort of protected area management side of things. So a vast array of different people working in conservation. And we work across three pillars. One is to represent rangers and be their voice, so highlight challenges and issues that they might face on the ground. The other is to obviously form networks between different rangers and different ranger groups and provide an opportunity for camaraderie and, and building of, of networks across Africa in terms of sharing best practices and, uh, and building spirit amongst the ranger corps. And the other is, you know, just to support the men and women on the ground. So we run various projects, you know, to do with training and uh, equipping rangers and providing uh, insurance for rangers and things and, and basically directing support to not only our membership, but to rangers in general. Let's talk about the term ranger first, because I know we have a lot of listeners from overseas and there's a lot of terms out there that are fairly confusing. A ranger or a game ranger, a safari guide. All these terms that I think even within the industry, some people use fairly interchangeably. Can we kind of define for our listeners, when you say game ranger, what is it that you mean and what exactly do these people do? So we're referring, when we talk about rangers, we're referring to those involved in conservation management activities. The sort of technical Mm -hmm. description would be around ensuring territorial and biological integrity of a protected or conservation area. Interpretive guiding, obviously slightly different. And, you know, in ecotourism, sometimes Mm. the different operators refer to their interpretive guides or their safari guides as rangers. We're talking about the the men and women involved in actual conservation effort rather than in the tourism side of things. Obviously, tourism is very important and very closely linked to conservation activities as well. But I think that's the big distinction, you know, interpretive guiding versus actually carrying out conservation management activities. Okay. So it's management of the land, management of the wildlife, anti-poaching, all of those activities kind of fall within the ambit of what a game ranger does. Yeah. And and I think that's, you know, that's a huge, I guess, concept to come to grips with with the different aspects of what rangers do. There's a huge diversity in in their role in conservation. A lot of people 
we'll box them just in terms of the law enforcement mm -hmm. and the anti-poaching role, but there's actually a lot more that rangers do in general conservation work, you know, things like wildlife monitoring, where you'd be tracking different wildlife species, checking on its well-being, mm -hmm. game counts, game relocations and, and capture erosion control, you know, cutting out alien invasive species, mm. fire management. So there's all these different community engagements. Yeah, There's a, a lot of other things that rangers do that I think, you know, most of the public is not aware of. So you're talking about a very broad range of very specialized skills. And one of the things that you mentioned that you focus on is training. What kind of skills are we talking about that, that an average ranger would need? And what what kind of training is provided? You spoke about, about setting standards. Are there uniform standards throughout Africa? Is this something that you're trying to sort of strive towards? What is the kind of situation there? In general, the training varies depending on the context in which a range is required to operate. So each park is obviously slightly different. We've got, according to the IUCN, mm -hmm. there's over 8,500 protected areas in Africa. So it's very hard to to have a one size fits all approach, and and training re really needs to be tailored to the to the specific context. You know, there's some highly volatile areas. You look at places in in DRC, Mali, you know, Western Central Africa, where ranges are highly militarized, and for a good reason because of the the imminent threat that they're under when working in these parks. You know, coming up against militia groups mm -hmm. cannot be taken lightly, and for the rangers' own safety, they need to be trained. To be able to combat that and in other areas you know they might require a different set of skills there are many parks where rangers are unarmed for example so the firearms training would not would not be um, pertinent to, to those areas and then obviously you know rangers sometimes have different specialities so there'll mm -hmm. be yeah you might have a dedicated black rhino monitor for example and training for them would be slightly different yes. to someone working in alien plant control so training really needs to be tailored. As you say, it's highly specialized, but rangers are also required to perform a diverse amount of roles in the environment. They'll generally undertake an eight to 12 week basic training course, which will provide them with, with the basic skills. A lot of training needs to happen on the job under the mentorship of experienced rangers in leadership positions that can then mentor the new rangers in terms of uh, the best application of those skills in the field. And, and these things are learned over time. You know, you think of something like tracking. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not something you just learn in a, in a classroom or even in a training environment. You can get the basic approach to tracking, but you really need to learn it out there in the bush mm -hmm. on a continual basis and develop that skill. And it's a skill that you'll develop for the rest of your life. You know, there, there's not an end to it. So, yeah, and in terms of training mm -hmm. standards, it's something that we, we definitely work towards. There is a distinct lack of you know, standard across the board and, and yeah. across the, the different training providers. We see some ex excellent training providers that we work with, but then there are also a lot of people providing training to rangers that don't understand the ranger context mm. necessarily. And in some cases, that can be detrimental to, to the rangers themselves. It's a wide variety of sort of organizations that you work with, with the rangers themselves, isn't it? Because there's national parks and there's the the training and the structures behind that. But you also work with the private sector and with private game reserves, which also might have their own sort of training and, and structures around that. Is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, rangers can be employed, you know, as you say, uh, uh, the majority of rangers, and we estimate there's upwards of 40,000 rangers in Africa. Um, 
we're busy with the with surveys at the moment to try and get a better understanding of that number. But the estimate at the moment is over forty thousand. The majority of them would work mm-hmm. for for government conservation management authorities in the different countries and and for the different departments. But there's also you know a huge amount of rangers that work in the NGO or in the private sector. So NGOs mm-hmm. will have ranger teams mm-hmm. that will sometimes work very closely with the with the state. You think of you know in places like Zambia. There's a very strong NGO present in some of the national parks there, and those rangers work side by side with the department rangers themselves and, and look to support their work. So there's that model where, where they are employed by, by NGOs. And there's also, as you say, the private sector, specifically in, in South Africa, that's a huge sector in itself, you know, where private game reserves will employ their own rangers. And then there's also, you know, communities as well where some rangers report directly into community resource boards and operate in, in sort of game management areas bordering national parks where the land is owned by communities. There's a wide variety of stakeholders, but essentially the you know the skill sets and, and, and the, the standards required uh, remain the same across the different uh, employer groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you already have this very complicated landscape of, of various countries, various authorities, various things that are involved. But to add complexity to that, you know, Africa's conservation areas don't just include the land. There's also a variety of marine reserves, and they also need need protection and looking after. What kind of a role do marine rangers play? Obviously, there's specialized skills involved. How does that work? And is it a growing area, or is it an area that you involve yourselves in as well? It's a very underappreciated area, Cass, and, and, and something that we, we're trying to address at the moment. Traditionally, if you think of a of a ranger, or, or you know, you would think of a of a terrestrial based ranger. A lot of people don't, you know, it doesn't spring to mind what what's happening in marine protected mm-hmm. areas. But yet, we know our oceans are under, you know, huge threat, and 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 really, you know, those threats really need to be addressed. So it is an area that you know rangers play an exceptionally important part in. Mm-hmm. There is a concerted effort at the moment to expand marine protected areas across the globe. In South Africa recently, for example, there's been a number of new marine protected areas declared. But it's one thing to declare these areas. It's another thing to resource them properly and have people in place to carry out the activities that need to be undertaken. And marine rangers, as you say, you know, it's a very specialized Mm. field. So there, you know, you're looking at things like boat handling, some rangers even doing underwater activities and in terms of, you know, surveys and and, and things. turtle monitoring. You just apply the same skill sets, but to that operating environment. Mm. And another thing is that's, I I guess, underappreciated is some of the conflict that exists in some of these marine protected areas, some of them very remote areas, islands, remote coastlines, where these rangers face face risks that are equivalent to to some of the, the most volatile areas on land. And 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 work in exceptionally remote areas, you know, yeah. in, in the marine context. So it's yeah, there's huge challenges in that area, and, and it's certainly something that we we're working with, and, and and we you know chatting to various role players in that space. It's very interesting that you mentioned conflict there, because that was actually leads me to my next question. In the course of their job, there are various challenges and and pressures that rangers face, and it's not just from you know, let alone from the wildlife and the remote circumstances that they find themselves in, but also life-threatening encounters with poachers or with outside influences. You've said one of the things that you work towards is, is, the, is the well-being of rangers. 
what kind of support do you provide to counter those threats, to maybe sort of bring awareness, promote emotional well-being, even try and try and build and ensure legislative support in response to the threat and the pressures that they face? Yeah, so Kiss, I think there are a couple of things there. One is about bringing awareness to the threats faced by rangers, which is, is really the first step. I think in, in some ways there's a misconception of, of some of the threats that rangers face. For example, you know, when it comes to conflicts, it's often thought of rangers being in conflict with, with poachers, as an example, whereas, as mentioned earlier, you know, in a lot of areas it's in conflict with militia groups. I mean, I had a ranger from from Congo come and stay with me a couple of years back and you know he was talking about going on 25 man patrols up in the Congo and coming across armed groups of numbering over 500 and and that is not something that people understand that this is you know in areas like that rangers are addressing essentially political instability and that's not really what rangers should be tasked to do yes. so you know these highly volatile areas that, that rangers are working within. So there's, there's that. So it's bringing awareness around that, that you look at the situation in some of these areas. Mali is another one. A lot of the West African countries and Central African, you know, where, where there's you know, huge amounts of political instability in, in these areas. So it's about bringing awareness to some of these threats. And obviously, there are other threats as well, as, as you, you, you make mention of. You know, you think you think of tropical diseases, just the remote nature of where rangers work, you know, um, brings about its own challenges and that support is is far away. You know, it's not about popping into your local mediclinic to, to go and have a checkup. Sometimes it's days to get to the closest medical facility. You know, so just the remoteness and, and the harsh environments that they operate in. You know, rangers can also spend a lot of time outdoors. We had a ranger killed a few years ago by lightning up in Mozambique. You know, rangers spending two, three weeks away mm. from their bases uh, on extended patrols. Yeah. So this is a, you know, it really is a harsh environment to, to work in. And, and that has, has its own threats. As you say, you know, there's a threat of, of working alongside dangerous wildlife as well. So, yeah, you know, the first step is obviously building awareness around that. And, and hopefully through yeah. building awareness, you, you garner mm. some support for the harsh realities of working in the front line of conservation. And secondly, then, you know, you need to start working to address some of these issues. One is through, obviously, training. So, for example, we, we, we run a, what we call our Ranger Care Initiative, which focuses on training, you know, first, remote first area aid uh, training and equipment. So rangers must have the right equipment. They must have the right training to be able to deal with the realities of working in these areas. So if, if an accident happens, are they equipped and trained to be able to handle it? And in that way, you can you can help to ensure their well-being. And then also, you know, so that's taking a proactive approach. And then there's also the reactive approach, which is is necessary. So we developed alongside SATIM insurance brokers, we developed a, a ranger insurance product where over one and a half thousand rangers are now insured mm -hmm. against accidental death, disability, and and have a medical evacuation cover in place. And the reality is, is many rangers do not have, you know, mm -hmm. even that basic facility in place. So that's a start. There's a lot more work to be done in that area, and it's something that we continue working on. And there's a project we're working on at the moment to to try and expand that. So those are some of the things that can be done. Uh, another thing is around mental well-being. So we've been involved in the past with ensuring post-traumatic event counselling with rangers. Mm -hmm. So rangers that have been in contact situations, making sure that they properly debrief, properly 
counseled in terms of uh, what's happened and ensuring the mental well-being. It's not always just about the physical well-being of rangers. We need to look after them in other ways as well. I think it's really interesting for me that angle. You know, being a game ranger is a, is a very specialized and skilled profession. But yet it seems to me as though that perception isn't out there. Is that something that you've had to battle against? Is it still thought of a glorious and, and interesting career, but maybe not entirely a, you know, a professional one? Is, is, that, is that a perception that you come up against? There's a big drive at the moment that came out of the, the World Ranger Congress in 2019 in Nepal around mm-hmm. professionalizing the industry. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not just in Africa, that's across the board. I mean, if you look at the, the goals that have been set internationally about protecting 30% of the planet by 2030, ultimately, who's going to do that protecting? Mm. It's, it's, it's the rangers of the world. Absolutely. So we need to ensure that, you know, that it is uh, professionalized, that the, that the profession is, is standards are set and, 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 and highly professionalized. As you say, highly mm. specialized skills, you know, and we really need to focus on that. I think people might not always understand the, the diversity of what rangers do and the crucial role that they play in conservation. But once that's explained, the amount of people tend to get behind them. They, they understand the importance of the people in conservation. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in the past, there have been a lot of initiatives that focus on particular species. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might it might be save this species or save that species. The reality is, is none of those work if the people on the ground are not adequately resourced, mm-hmm. motivated, trained, equipped, and supported. So we really should be focusing on, on, on the people in conservation, and they will take care of the species mm-hmm. and the habitats and, and ecosystems that they work within. An investment in the rangers is really an investment in the future of, of the planet, because they're the people looking after it. Correct. Yeah, and the, and the benefits are to all. You know, it's not just about benefiting wildlife, per se, which... You know, wildlife tends to to um, obviously target people's heartstrings, and 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 all of us can appreciate that. But you know, rangers rangers work. Ultimately, you've got to work to protect the ecosystem. You got to, you yeah. Know, it comes down to trees and plants and systems, and then uh, that's where the important the importance of what rangers do is really, um, you know, comes to the fore. And you know, by by rangers doing their work, it also delivers benefits to to surrounding communities. You know, you think of the uh, the benefit of conservation and, mm-hmm. and protected areas to people that not only people that live around them, in terms of provision of jobs and, and social enterprises and, and and things, but also delivery of mm-hmm. clean air, clean water, ecosystem services. There are benefits from these areas, and and we really need to recognise mm-hmm. that and support the people working in these areas better. Uh, the level of support is, in the whole, really shocking. You know, when you visit some reserves and you see what mm. what rangers have to put up with in terms of living conditions, wages, uh, and the amount of support they receive, and we really need to all you know work together to ensure that they they're the guardians yes. of we we call them the guardians of wild Africa, and if, if we want wild Africa to exist in the future, we need to better resource and support these these people. As if all the threats and challenges and issues weren't big enough, I know that COVID has has made a huge impact on game rangers. You know, the closure of tourism has has had a huge impact on the amount of income flowing into conservation areas. And I know that that the Game Rangers Association has run a number of projects to try and 
sort of combat that, to keep awareness high and to also look at fundraising and keep funds flowing in. So I believe one of the latest projects that that you're looking at in connection with that is the Ranger Legacy Project. Could you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it works? So the, yeah, our Ranger Legacy project is is really you know something that started a, a couple of years ago, but we we really putting uh, emphasis on it at the moment, and that's about profiling rangers and and raising their profile, so that people understand the diversity and and, and the crucial roles that they perform, and, and that's you know that's the first the first battle that needs to be won for rangers is is because I think once people understand what rangers do and how important they are. And that literally without them, you can throw money at conservation, but without well-resourced rangers, it's going into a, a, a really bottomless pit. Once people understand that and get behind rangers, we can then move towards better support for them. So that's really the focus of that, is showing the diversity of, of their roles, showing the, the important work that they do, and highlighting rangers, they're more than just tools in, in the conservation toolbox. These are these are real people. These are fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, and and that support large amounts of of family members. The one thing COVID's done is, you know, rangers are often the breadwinners in their families, but it's put incredible pressure on them mm-hmm. to support more more people. As other industries might, especially in the tourism sector, there's been a lot of jobs shed. Luckily, and you know, in, in a lot of areas, rangers have been allowed to carry on their work because they've been classified as essential services. But you know, there's more pressure yes. on them than ever before due to these uh, the, the current day and age. And just so you know, we've talked a lot about the projects that you're running. For the people who are listening to us, if they want to get involved, yeah. if they want to show their support for the Game Rangers Association, how can someone do that? The best way to to get behind Rangers is, um, you know, first of all, go to our website, GameRanger.org. Uh, it'll give you a, a good understanding of the different projects and, and the different spheres that we work in. And I think there there's something for everyone. There's there's training, there's issuing of equipment, there's supporting rangers with insurance, there's there's multiple different ways of of, of helping us support rangers. And then also just spreading the word, you know, the Ranger Legacy Project, letting other people know the important work that rangers do. And you know, the more people we can get behind rangers, the better for their for their future. It's about supporting these very ordinary people who do a very extraordinary job for all of us. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if 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 we if we're gonna, as I say, if we're gonna protect thirty percent of the planet by twenty thirty, we really need to get behind uh, get behind rangers more. Absolutely, Andrew. Just to end off with, you know, I wanted to try and draw on some of your your personal experiences. I know you've been with the Game Rangers Association for six years and you've worked extensively in, in the safari and the conservation industry before that. Is there a story that you can share with us about a person or an experience that made you especially proud of of the work that you're in in trying to support Africa's rangers? Okay, so it's a difficult one because there are lots of stories <laughs> and we've got limited time. I'm but sure. <laughs> you know, anytime you sit you sit under a tree with a ranger team and, and you and you understand the work that they do, you feel inspired and 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 and, and you know, mm. in my case, I know I'm doing the right thing. I guess one of the big moments for me was back in in 2018, after we we conduct a park assessments where we go into different parks and we, and we look at the needs of rangers and we try and establish, you know, sort of needs analysis of, of, of what's needed to better support them. 
and and sometimes that can be relatively depressing <laughs> because uh, the needs are often huge and 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 when you mm-hmm. understand that you know the working conditions of, of some ranges it, it can be disheartening yes. there's just so much to do mm-hmm. and there's so little support in some areas and you can become disheartened and I guess I was in that I was in that phase of wondering well you know how on earth do we get uh, get uh, on top mm-hmm. of this uh, there's just so much to do and 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 either the real um, privilege of going up to to Zimbabwe and, and visiting some ranges in the mm-hmm. in the Save Valley Conservancy, they really were a shining light to me in terms of seeing what what is possible. You know, with first of all, like I guess, like any you know business or or, or unit of people, but leadership. You know, with the right leadership in place, amazing things can be done. And and where the people are valued, you know, and and this particular group of rangers. Um, is led by a ranger called Bryce Clements up in Savo Valley, and they do a fantastic job up there in, in extraordinary circumstances. You know, Zimbabwe in itself presents many challenges, and in their conservancy, you know, there's there's huge challenges of people, you know, having been resettled into the mm-hmm. park itself. You know, fences in, in in a state of disarray, resources really scarce and hard to come by. But yet, here was a ranger unit that that was probably one of the best units I've ever seen. That through good leadership, through quality training, mm-hmm. and through realizing the value of the people involved, they had a dedicated team of rangers doing exceptionally well and and really looking after all species within that that environment and. Um, I think you need that, you know, to see what I'd call winning models. It keeps us inspired. It, it keeps us understanding what can be done. It's not easy. I mean, they've sweated blood and tears to, to get to that point. And that's the the reality of it. You know, a lot of people want quick fixes in terms of getting to that level and say, well, you know, we want one of those. The reality is it's a long, hard slog. And, and the guys up there will tell you, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of times they've banged their heads against the wall to get there. It just, you know, yes. it's important to see what is what is possible, and and it truly sort of reignited, I guess, my passion in in, in supporting rangers mm-hmm. and 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 working towards building more of those winning models. That's fantastic. It's really incredible to have those things that really motivate and inspire you. And I think you brought up a very important point there as well that conservation is a long term game. You know, it's not one of those things where you very often see drastic and incredible changes in in a short space of time but it's something where slow and steady changes all combine to make to make a big difference absolutely and consistency you know? yes we often see these sort of drop in and out approaches where you know we're going to we're going to throw x mm. amount of funds at at reserve and expect it to make a difference you've got to be in it for the long haul the successful models show you that you know you've got consistency mm-hmm. and, and support You've got good leadership in place and hard to find, but hugely valuable in terms of having the right people in those positions. And you get those two things in place where you have consistency and, and good people involved. You can achieve great things with with actually re- reasonably limited resources. Mm. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that little bit of the world of rangers with us and for all the efforts that you do to ensure consistent support for the people on the ground managing wildlife and managing conservation. It's been really fascinating. No, thanks so much, Cass, and thanks for the platform of uh, allowing us to try and shed some light on what rangers do. It's it's really important. Thank you again, Andrew, and I'm sure we'll have you back to chat to us again at some stage. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. 
Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about And Beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.